For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening. That means leading the line from the front around that captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, I hope all is well, mate. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good, mate. You know, after the weekend, we're kind of buzzing, aren't we? You know, something we didn't expect. Um, so looking forward to getting into it and chatting with you guys. Lovely stuff. That means you're also joined in attack by James. James, how have you been these last seven days? Yeah, very well, very well. The the perfect start to the season. Uh, and how better to celebrate than uh, than having a chat with you lot. Lovely. And also making his second appearance of the season is Patrick. Patrick, I hope you've got plenty of that energy for me this evening. Oh, yeah, yeah. feeling good. The legs are stretched. I'm ready. Uh, yesterday, I'm buzzing, literally. I'm flying at the moment. So I'm, I'm still on a high. So, yeah, let's go. A lot to talk about. Let's embrace that high then. Of course, if you want to be on the show this season, get in touch with me. On Twitter, at Dan Tracy, 1983. There's plenty of slots to go around. Get in touch. Give us your voice. Let's talk some Tottenham. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect yesterday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know, I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business sees us get the Premier League season underway. And to be honest, Cole, as starts go, they will not get a great deal better than that, will they? No, it was pretty special, wasn't it? You know, I think, obviously, you know, the build-up to the game with everything that's gone on, um, you know, first game, you know, with the ground fully packed out, um, you know, we had the flags back out, didn't we? Which always kind of makes it a bit of a spectacle when the players are coming out and everyone's got them waving. Um, and all in all, with the result as well, given, the say, everything in the build-up, the team we were playing, um, the sort of feelings, you know, everyone wasn't too confident going into this. So I think all in all, it was just, you know, you couldn't have asked for any more than the start we got there. You know, it was the perfect team performance. Um, everyone to a man kind of put the right sort of shift in. I think it it just felt completely different, didn't it? You kind of, you know, we looked alive and fresh and ready to go and not scared for once. So, yeah, the perfect start. I wouldn't say, you know, I'm going to get too carried away by it. You know, it was a great result and just what we needed. Um, but, you know... It's the first day of the season, but it was so encouraging to see what we saw. So let's just hope that that kind of does set us up nicely for the season ahead. But yeah, we couldn't have asked for better. And you, you got to give credit to every player this weekend. Well, James, obviously the big story, we all know it. Harry Kane didn't feature. We spoke about percentage chances, didn't we, on last week's show? And the figure that you may feel that he may feature on Sunday, the Sunday we've just had, that is. Was it a surprise that he had no... Reference to the game at all? What did you make of that? Um, not not a massive surprise for me. No, I think um, it, I think this is one of those situations where the club was always going to kind of sweep it under the carpet, and 
and not even mention it you know and and if uh, if if Nuno was ever asked about it he can he can just play it off and say you know it's not the right time for him to join the squad or he hasn't had enough time training with with the squad um it, it, he was never really going to play in in hindsight um but it, it's a, it's a shame and and you know I know we don't want to don't want to settle on the Harry Kane situation too much because you know we've got a, a really good game and a really good win to speak about but I think it is a a massive shame that you know you haven't seen anything from from Kane's camp. You know, no, no, not even a tweet from Harry Kane saying well done to the lads. Um, I think even if he was leaving, you know, just out of courtesy, it would have been a, a good thing to do. You know, welcome the fans back to the stadium and say well done to to the to the boys and welcome to the new manager. Even um, so, again, an, another poor. You know, I spoke last week about it being Harry Kane being mismanaged, and I think this is another another instance of that. Um, but look, we we showed that potentially, you know, we, there is life after Harry Kane. Um, we can play without him. It's not something that I, I would prefer. Obviously, I'd rather Harry Kane be in that team, and I feel like we would have put the game to bed a lot earlier if we did have Harry Kane on the pitch. But but the boys who who did step foot on that pitch, you know, they they put an absolute shift in, um, and uh, you know, that's exactly what we wanted to see was them standing up and and taking a bit of responsibility on their shoulders. Um, uh, especially players like Sonny and Lucas, who absolutely ran their socks off, and uh, and uh, ultimately, I think we we absolutely deserve to win that game from from start to finish. So Kane or not, Tottenham uh, Tottenham have got off, got the season off to, to to a great start. Now, Patrick, you were our man on the ground yesterday. From an atmosphere point of view, obviously that result is always going to help. But a full stadium, rocking. Is it fair to say that football's finally back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt it. I mean, even just um, queuing up. Well, you know, like the famous walk, walking up to the ground. You could feel the atmosphere. You could feel. You could feel it loading. Like you could feel the buzz. Uh, everyone was happy to be there. And then when you get into the stadium, you know, like the pre-drinks or grabbing a burger or some chips or whatever you do, you could feel the vibes. You could hear the chants starting to come through. We, uh, a few people were watching the uh, Newcastle West Ham game. It's quite funny because um, they got awarded the penalty and they got saved. So everyone started, you know, there was a roar, a big eruption. But then somebody scored, he banged in like the the rebound and then you could hear everyone like booing kind of thing. So even from that standpoint, everyone's like ready and up for it because, you know, we all hate West Ham and all that. And um, yeah, just literally as uh, as the game kicked off, well, even before the game kicked off, when the, when the guys were um, warming up, uh, they all came out to a massive round of applause uh, and yeah, you guys could hear it from the TV that the the, 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 the ground was rocking, and it's, yeah, it was amazing. It was like being in the old White Hart Lane in terms of the atmosphere and the vibe and the buzz. You know, the chants, everyone just bouncing off each other, and to top it all off, we we got the win. So it was amazing. It was a great game, and uh, I mean, even uh, Sky Sports uh, mentioned how electric the atmosphere was, and pretty much this is what football's about and this is what they've missed so yeah the fans being back uh, was fantastic and yeah long may it continue absolutely but Cole talking of being back it might be a bit early to make an assumption on one game this season so we won't declare Deli Ali being back but you cannot fault the amount of effort you put into Sunday's performance from a running point of view was it not 11 kilometres they did in terms of distance I mean that aside is impressive but a disciplined performance which you wouldn't have seen before would, would you <sighs> 
Yeah, definitely. As you say, you know, a much better performance. And, you know, this is a, we've said it before, haven't we? This is a big season for Delhi because, you know, he, he has been sort of in a slump compared to how his Spurs career started. So it's kind of important that he uses this season to get back to some of his best football. Um, I think, you know, we have got to take now the fact that, you know, the Mourinho factor is gone because I think that was a key thing. You know, if you're not getting minutes and it's clear that someone doesn't fancy you, then it's hard to kind of get yourself settled and play well. Um, Nuno obviously likes him. You know, he's played in most of the pre-season games and done really well. And that showed again yesterday. So, as you say, you know, it's it's one game. So, obviously, that's temper, the kind of is Deli Alley back stuff. But if he puts in more performances like that, I think he showed in, you know, in the friendly against Arsenal, you know, he hit the post a couple of times and again, you know, some good runs into the box. And if he can get back to that and continue the sort of way he left off the last game there against City, then uh, it's encouraging signs, isn't it? And we may be starting to see the re-emergence of Deli Alley again in our midfield. Uh, and let's hope that is the case because I think this is a big season and he is a key player and he will be one of those that needs to step up. If, you know, if Harry goes, he will be one of them that needs to kind of take on the responsibility and step up for us. But a much more encouraging performance um, and long may it continue. But, you know, it, that, that was good to see, that's for sure. Well, James, if you stay on this topic then, what do you make of his actual positioning in midfield? Because before, he'd be the kind of support striker, not quite support striker, but the support to Harry Kane, great in the air, nodding him down, etc, etc. But yesterday, or Sunday, if you're listening, at a different time of the week, it was more kind of, not wide midfield, but wider of the three. So a different kind of role. Is that the only way he's going to fit into the team going forward? Uh, I think it suited him quite well. Um, I think he, he brought a lot of energy and, and I think the, the players on either side um, of, of that three, uh, it was obviously what they were there to do. They had quite a lot of ground to cover. Um, I think it was, it was I think Hoiberg was, was probably playing on, on the right and uh, a skip down the middle. And then Delhi on the left, and and it was really interesting to see the way we set up. Actually, I think um, the the what people think nowadays, you know, where in terms of pressing, is that that front three should be doing all of the legwork and, and chasing down constantly. And and uh, and actually, what it was was for a lot of the game, we saw that front three kind of just standing still and, and standing guard, um, quite tight actually as well, which which was really interesting. I'm I'm not I'm not a self-confessed tactician, but I, th- I think it, it was perfect, you know, that it, it meant that City couldn't really find many gaps and many pockets of space in between the lines because we weren't necessarily following, we weren't man-marking, we were just kind of almost zonal marking a- across the pitch. Um, and and I think it required players like Deli Alley and, and, and Hoiberg to cover a lot of ground because uh, City were pushing the full-backs on and, and obviously they've got they've got those players in wide areas that that can cause a lot of damage. Um, and and to be honest, I think it suited Delhi very well. Um, I think he, he broke forward very well when we counter-attacked. And, um, and I think it's always suited him that kind of arriving late in the box. So I think he's, he showed that he can be quite versatile in that respect. He, he certainly can play that. I've, I still think he could probably play a centre-forward role. But, um, it, you know, Nuno obviously sees him, sees him a bit further back in... Um, potentially getting the ball on, on the deck a little bit more, um, but uh, as Carl says, he's, he's a he's a massive player for Tottenham. He's a massive personality in the changing room, and, and he is someone who 
has the ability to change games and, and it's something we haven't seen enough of over the last two years is, is Deli Ali actually changing a game. So, you know, it, it might be that he, he changes the game in a different respect. It might be that he breaks up play in the middle and, and moves it on rather than those back post headers that we, that we saw two years ago. It, it might be a completely different player. But if, if he keeps on putting in the performances that he put, on, put in this weekend um, and, and plays with his, with his heart on his sleeve like he did, uh, then I think he's, he's going to be a huge player. And, and a lot of people said that he shouldn't start this game. Um, and I think he, he, you know, even in this in this team at the moment, he'd be probably one of the first names to be dropped if if we had somebody else to come into that team. You know, say we did bring Harry Kane back into that team, now you'd be you'd probably looking at, at Adeli as as one of the players that that did drop out. Um, but he's certainly not going to go down without a fight, and and that's great great to see from Deli Ali. And hopefully, you can start chipping him with a few goals, a few assists, and uh, and we can see the player that we've we've been seeing for for the last couple of years now. Well, Patrick, will a lot depend on the actual shape that Tottenham have going forward? Because we all know that Nuno, whether he prefers a 3-4-3 or not, but that was the kind of MO at Wolves. If you're going with that shape, you're then sort of thinking, where does Ali fit into that midfield setup? So is it going to be a case of shape rather than personnel, which dictates his Tottenham career this season? Ooh, oh, that's a, that's a tricky one. I think, to be fair, as long as Delhi's playing well... We will try and accommodate him. Um, I think with the flexibility of the players that we've got, our personnel, because we still got the Celso. Um, you know, we've we've got players that can come in. Uh, Brian Gill or Ryan Gill, how you pronounce it, as well. He can come in. So it really, I think it will depend on who we're playing and obviously how well players are playing. But from how Delhi played yesterday, at the moment you would say, I know it's one game, but you you can't drop him after that performance. He put in a massive shift. He won the ball back about six or seven times. You know, he's got that creativity to find someone in the final third. And he just looked hungry and up for it. And it's a Deli Ali that we haven't seen in a while. You know, that bite and that that, that nastiness, that streak that we used to love about him. It, it kind of seemed that he had that back yesterday. He, he looked up for it. He wasn't just soaking around and just, you know, uh, running aimlessly after balls. He looked like he was on it. And yeah, so to be fair, back to your question, if... Um, he's playing like that, I think we're going to have to fit him in irrespective of where he plays. And as long as he's, he's ready to fight for the team, then yeah, and buys into the, to the, to the system and what Nuno's doing, it, hopefully he can become one of those guys that's undroppable. Um, so yeah, let's see how it goes. But I've always been a big fan of Delhi. I really want the guy to come back. And if he continues playing how he's playing now, then I think we're going to start to enjoy, you know, the Delhi Alley of old. Well, Carl, if you, put Deli Ali back into the mix and you look at all our centre midfielders, we've got a lot of options. Let's say Skip, Ali, Sissoko, Lacelso, Winks, Hoiberg, Undumbele. Now they're not all good options, but they are bodies. Now do you think really one or two might have to go? Especially if there's talk of still new faces coming in, they can't all be happy playing a fringe role, can they? So is there gonna be a bit of a shuffling before the end of the window? Yeah, I would think so, to be honest. And I think the news that kind of broke today might give you a slight indication, mightn't it? You know, I mean, Ndombele hasn't seemed fancied so far by Nuno at all, has he? And the fact that you then find out today that he's been left out of the Europa Conference League squad, that to me kind of smacks massively of a manager that sort of says, listen, this bloke actually, I've had a chance to look at him. Um, I don't like what I see. 
this would be that would have been the perfect competition where you think, well, yes, he'll get games there. If not a regular starter in the Premier League, he'd definitely start those games. So the fact that he's been left out of there um, kind of would indicate to me Nuno's seen him and gone, nah, don't fancy this guy. So he could be someone that, you know, potentially you would look at and think, well, there could also be some good revenue to get because I think he'd still bring you in a, a reasonable amount of money um, from some suitors uh, abroad. So I can see him possibly moving on. Winks is another one where I think, you know, if he doesn't feel he's going to get the game time that he probably wants, then I could see him maybe looking for a move. But that 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 could eventually end up just being maybe a loan potentially to begin with. But Winks is another one that, you know, I, I liked Winks, but I, I think he hasn't developed the way we thought. So I don't think he's going to add anything that we need. So, yeah, I, I think there is a bit of movement because, like, as you say, there's going to be rotation, obviously, and we've got the cup competitions. But the players want to be in the, in the Premier League squad mainly this season. So if you're not going to get the games there, maybe there's a couple of opportunities for us to kind of get some money in um, and then also use that money to kind of help, obviously, bring a couple in. You know, you've got Sissoko as well there that you'd like, you probably think, given the way the season started for him, um, I know it's only one game, but you're talking pre-season and the way the season finished last year, I wouldn't be surprised to see him moved on either. So I think there's still a bit of activity that's going to happen around that midfield. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a big-name player. And for me, I think it'll be Undembele that goes before the window shuts. Now, James, in terms of our new manager... How important was that win? Obviously, it's great getting the better of City, but for him, I wouldn't say there was detractors. Actually, there was. There was a No to Nuno campaign on Twitter, wasn't there? So, you know, it's going to take time for him to win everyone over, but you're going about it the right way if you're beating the champions, aren't you? Perfect start. And um, I, I think uh, what has gone down so well with, with a lot of Tottenham fans is that this wasn't the same way that we beat Man City under Jose Mourinho. I think it was a very, very different way of beating Man City. You know, we, we didn't necessarily just just smash and grab. We didn't get a goal and then put 10 men behind the ball. I, I can think of a couple of occasions where if we had one, you know, one more attacker of real quality in the final third, I guess, again, I guess say Harry Kane, then I think we, we put them to bed a lot earlier. And we we scored, we scored a very good goal and we, we had threatened before that. And then we we didn't just completely shut up shot. We did our defensive work and City put us under pressure, but we we looked to explode out the blocks from there. We, we looked to, to get to hit on the break again and uh, and I think, you know, Bergwijn could, could easily seal the game. Um, I think if we were a little bit more patient in the final third, we, we could have run the clock down a little bit more. Um, but but we really showed showed intent and, and we, we stuck to our guns and played played some, some good looking football. Um, and, and some of the individual performances on that pitch were absolutely fantastic. And you can tell straight away that these guys... Are playing for the manager, they 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 want to get on board with with whatever it is Nuno has has told them. Um, there's there's certain players who are who are repaying Nuno a, a favour almost of, of of faith. You know your, your Tanganga and your Ollie Skip, they're absolutely playing out of their skin. Um, and you know I, I I'm always a, a big advocate that you know just being passionate and throwing yourself about isn't going to be enough in, in the Premier League. You know, these are the best footballers in the world and, 
and just putting your foot in is, isn't ever going to be enough. But City have had some real quality on that pitch. You know, you, you know you've got your Grealish, but you've also got your your Mares, um, Sterling. You know, great players that, that that didn't really have a sniff. And um, and I think that that's testament to, to Nuno and the way that he set us up because there clearly was a game plan, but it wasn't just Jose Mourinho build a brick wall and try and break us down. There was a lot more to it than that. Uh, and every single one of those eleven players bought into what what it was that that Nuno was was telling them to do, and I think that's that's a massive part of the win, and, and why people are so so giddy surrounding that that performance. It's, it certainly starts well; it's, it's, it bodes well for the rest of the season, and hopefully we can we can build on that squad and, and add a little bit of quality to get us over the line. Well, Patrick, in terms of the goal, Hyunmin Song is once again once again the scourge of Manchester City, but. Was the difference with the goal in the first half? He was in the right kind of pockets of space, but then turning back on himself, he didn't have that directness. But then he must have had a word in his ears during the interval. Not quite a different player, but at least more effective. And that effectiveness showed when it really mattered. Yeah, that's it. Because I think I believe tw- in the first half, twice he had the run at Ake, and he kind of just turned around and passed it back. And I'm thinking, come on, you got you got the minerals to take on Ake and, and beat him. And then um, obviously in the second half. You know, Stevie B had the ball, kind of ran, uh, gave it to, you know, uh, Bergman was credited with the assist. But if we're being honest, he didn't really create a goal-scoring chance, did he? It was Son that run, ran with the ball, ran at Ake, they backed off, and then obviously he curled it nicely into the bottom corner. And that's the Son that we love when he's direct, active, and willing to take on shots and take on chances. And just like James said, um, it wasn't like a smash and grab. We grew into that game uh, and we came out a lot brighter than Man City in the second half. And we were good value for the for the goal, especially at the time that we scored. It wasn't against the run of play. It wasn't, you know, we deserved it. And then, to be fair, yeah, um, Man City didn't really look threatening. We we contained them really well. Tanganga was amazing. To be fair, every play was amazing. Uh, when I saw the team sheet at the beginning, Eric Dyer and Sanchez, I can't lie, I was I was worried. I feared the worst for us. But both of them yesterday were brilliant. And I, I know we get on to Dyer and Sanchez, but... You've got to give them credit where it's due. They were fantastic yesterday. They looked really good, really assured. There was no mistakes in there, no nonsense. We didn't do that. Uh, you know, with Jose, we always played around the back. Like Hugo would play it to Dyer. He would play it across the line to Sanchez. And we none of that, just kick the ball away and start again. So, yeah, fantastic. Sonny was good, direct. Uh, and he looked like he was enjoying being the main man. Uh, so he, he, he took that mantle on didn't shirk under the pressure and yeah, he rose to the occasion as did all the other guys as well. Well, Carl, rising to that occasion, Ollie Skip, a lone move last season to Norwich. There was perhaps logic that he might then do the same at the Premier League level. Thankfully for us, that's not the case because what a showing yesterday and you think actually he might be not the first name on the team sheet but at least the first midfielder alongside Huyberg. Yeah, we kind of said, didn't we, Dan, at the end of last season, we wondered whether another stint at Norwich in the Premier League could do him the world of good. But I think Nuno's obviously seen him, likes what he's seen in pre-season, and obviously so have we. Um, And that game yesterday kind of showed that maybe, you know, it is his time now to step up and he's got what it takes to, to kind of be in our midfield as a key player. And you can't do it against a better side than City, can you? So that also makes you 
kind of feel a little bit more encouraged that if he can do it against City, then you'd like to think that there's no other team in the league that Skip should be going into a game feeling like he can't do it. Um, again, I think with the Deli Alley stuff, you know, we just have to make sure we temper the expectations. You know, it was one game. Everything went well for us. There will be, you know, there will be tough spells for him, I think, because he is still learning the game at this level. So I think we just have to be a little bit patient but certainly looks like we've got a great player on our hands. Um, we just need to hope that he kind of keeps developing the way that he's kicked his career off because yesterday he was very solid. His you know, season last season at Norwich was great. So it's all looking really promising. But if he continues that sort of form, then him and Hoiberg will create a pretty solid site team in there. Um, and I don't see many midfielders who'd fancy playing against them too. Well, James, I think it was a good day for academy prospects in general. When you look at the performance of Jafet Tanganga yesterday, aren't you glad he's not playing at Galatasaray this season? Yeah, that's that's what you get when you when you get rumoured with a move to, to Galatasaray. Yeah, he clearly doesn't want to doesn't want to go to Turkey, and and that's a, a blessing in disguise that he hasn't gone because because what a great performance and and what a great player. You know, thinking back, I I honestly can't think of. Of an occasion where where Tanganga hasn't impressed, where he where he hasn't excelled um, when when given opportunities in the first team, um, you know, look the preseason game against Arsenal just just last week, he he played just as well uh, than than the Man City game, and he he was absolutely fantastic that day, uh, and uh, and everyone was saying that they hoped he he was going to get a, a shout at right back for the City game, and thankfully he did. Um, it was a bit of a shaky start, but I think that you know that gap in between himself and and Sanchez, it, it got exploited a couple of times. But but luckily that the two of them put their heads together and they they managed to fill that gap. And if you look at the players that were attacking him, you know your Jack Grealish, your, your Raheem Sterling, that is seriously impressive for a, for a young right back. He you know he he's he stood up to every single challenge. He was he really really got stuck in, which is something that. You know, I, I really enjoy. He, he didn't shirk out of a single tackle. He he is he's obviously a very strong boy, and um, and he he loves a good physical battle. So I I really don't think that there'll be a winger in in the league who who will want to come up against him because he he's just not afraid to to go through someone to get the ball if he has to. Um, uh, and I think it's it's really really promising. Yet hopefully, you know, he can stay fit because. He has had fitness concerns over over the last year. You know, look look back to, to how well he played on his Premier League debut against against Liverpool, uh, and then kind of went off the radar slightly because of his fitness concerns. Um, but this is his time now. This this is where he's he has to kick on, uh, and and you know right back is is a is a is a problem position for for Gareth Southgate in the England squad. Obviously, there's a lot of very very good right backs. Uh, right back options for for England at the moment, but he is he's younger than a lot of them, and uh, you know that that position is going to open up at some point. And if if he's if he's going to be the one to hit that form and make that position his own, then there's every chance that you know he could be looking at uh, an England spot in the next couple of years, and that's what he needs to be aiming for because he, he is good enough. And hopefully, as I say, he can, he can stay fit because he's he's got everything we need. Um, we don't necessarily need a uh, an Alexander Arnold type or a Trippier type who's going to be whipping balls into the box constantly because at the moment we're playing without a real out and out number nine, so it wouldn't really make any sense. 
but he's he's got great feet and and defensively he's really really stable, which is something that we've missed the last couple of years. Even going back to to the likes of Trippier, uh, you know, Aurier and now Doherty coming in, they they just they, as much as they offer going forward, yeah, they might be quick, they might have a delivery, they they might be a bit tricky. They just don't offer the defensive stability, and and the point is that that this lad can defend, and the fact that he's you know he's, he's pretty quick and he and he can pass a ball, he's, he's good with his feet as well. He's just a bonus on top of that. So hopefully you know he can stay nice and grounded, keep keep his feet on the ground and uh, and and stay fit. And there's no reason why he shouldn't be our starting right back for the rest of the season if this is how he's going to play. Well, I was going to ask Cole something about that in a moment, but Patrick, I'll just ask you about Tanganga or really it's more of a the key moment for him or the best part of his display was when he just drove Raheem Sterling back up the pitch and you're kind of thinking actually that should really be that way around not only that he gets a foul for his uh, his efforts also and you think actually we've got a player here real talent and it's just exciting to watch isn't it yeah no real talent like uh, like James just said he's great with his feet defensively he's solid he's quick he's strong he's sturdy he's robust he can pass the ball as well. He's not afraid to run at players, which is, um, you know, I know these days we kind of get, there's almost like two sets of fullbacks. You either have your attacking uh, fullbacks slash wingers, like your Cancelos and your Trent Alexander-Arnolds, or you have your uh, out-and-out defensive-minded fullbacks, like your Wambasakas, where with Tanganga, he's almost like a hybrid of both because he can definitely go forward and attack, but he's great defensively. And maybe that's because he is a centre-back by trade and we've put him at right-back and he's just, you know, he's slotted in there so nicely. Uh, I've seen reports today that he's definitely not going out on loan and Nuno's looking to, you know, let him fight out for that slot with uh, with um, uh, Doherty and Aurier. So that would be fantastic news for us because, in my opinion, he's the best out of the three. And he's only going to get better as well as, um, you know, he grows in confidence and gets more game time. So, yeah, love seeing what he did yesterday. He definitely pocketed both Grealish and um, Sterling, which is amazing because those guys were full of beans and confidence after the Euros. Grealish just got his move, obviously was looking to impress. Everyone didn't give us a chance yesterday. You know, the agenda from Sky was definitely that we were going to get a spanking and then all they would do is talk about Harry Kane afterwards. But they didn't have the chance to do that because we played so well and um, they had to obviously change their tune. So, yeah, well done to Tangi and all the other guys. Well, Carl, I'll ask you then. We've got really three right-backs and we are getting linked with right-backs in the social media and the like. Do we need another one? I know it's very easy to say, oh, we've beaten City, we don't need new signings, but... Is this kind of top priority at the moment? Or do you feel actually with the bodies we've got in that position, we might just be all right for the season? Well, for me, I'd still like to see what I would consider a proper right-back come in. Um, I could see Aurier going before the window closes. Um, and then if you're sitting there saying to me, you left them with Doherty and Tanganga. Um, I really like Tanganga, but I, I keep saying it and I've always said it. I really feel his future lies as a centre-half. You know, we've said it from day one, having seen him. It really reminds me of Ledley King. Um, and and that, that's, you know, that's high praise because Ledley was one of the best. But I really would like to see at some point Tanganga get a run at, as a centre-half. And, and this season could be the prime time with Romero there, you know, him and Tanganga forming a partnership. Um 
The only other thing is it was a great game. Again, though, he will have periods where, you know, he'll have ups and downs Tanganga and he'll have a bad spell. He'll have a couple of good spells. That's what you get from young players. The only other thing there with Tanganga as well is the injuries. You know, he has picked up a fair few injuries so far early in his career. So you then do have to worry that is he going to be one of them players that, you know, throughout seasons does always pick up little niggles here and there. So as much as I thought he had a great game yesterday and he was man of the match for me, um, I still think his future's elsewhere and his best position is elsewhere for us. So I would like to see a proper right back come in where we can use Tanganga, where I'd like to see him play. But if not, and we bring someone in, I'd still prefer to see another right back and Tanganga. You know, I've seen enough of Doherty um, last season to kind of, for me to know he's not someone I would particularly trust given that job and being your starting right back week in, week out. You know, again, I still think that right back position it, it is one of our weaker points. So, yes, I would like to see us go and bring someone in in that position still. Well, I'll stay with you, Carl, because... You don't trust Doty, but it's quite obvious that Nuno does. So is he not sort of thinking, actually, I probably am fully stocked here. Maybe Aurier could still go and I'll be okay. Or are we sort of taking a risk here? And also you could then say, well, if we move Tanganga inside, are we overstocked at centre-back? You know, are we, have we got too many defensive bodies at the moment? If you see sort of one more coming in, does one finally leave? I think, obviously, as you rightly say, Nuno will probably feel he can get the best out of Doherty. You know, he has done at Wolves. You know, let's that, not forget, when Doherty was playing for Wolves, he was probably one of the right-sided right, right players in the, in the league at that point. You know, and when we signed him, we was all excited because of what we'd seen. So... If there is one man who's probably going to get that back out of him, then we've got the right man in charge. So I guess we will just have to wait and see on that. And I guess that is why as well you'd probably go, if you've got to ship either Doherty or Aurier out, for me it's Aurier all day long. When you say have we got lots of bodies defensively, we have got lots of bodies defensively. My worry is around the quality. You know, it, you know, it's all very good having lots of players. If most of them don't have the quality you need, then, you know, it doesn't help you, does it? So I still feel the centre-half position is one where we might want to go and get a more experienced player in. Um, again, though, yeah, so you, you've got Rondon, haven't you? You've got Dyer, you've got Sanchez, and that, let's face it, let's give credit where it's due because Sanchez had a really good game yesterday. You know, we're we're very quick to jump on him when he has a poor game. Yesterday, he was very good. Um, so yeah, it, this is a tough one, isn't it? I, I think they'll look to try and bring another centre half in, and we may see a, you know one or two of those leave. I, for me personally, I would send Rondon out on loan if I could this season to a Premier League side where he's going to get regular games just to give him that development and then bring him back after that because I think after that showing at the weekend I think Tanganga's going to be an integral part of this squad this season whether it's at right back and maybe getting a few games in the centre if need be so yeah, and maybe Nuno will feel he can get Doherty, you know, Doherty playing the way he had him playing at Wolves. So he'd probably stick with him there. Um, but I still think, I'd still feel a lot more confident with another centre-half in. Well, I was going to ask Patrick about Ronan because if we're sort of looking down the queue, the two who played yesterday at centre-back, obviously you've got Romero, he's likely going to be first choice, isn't he? Tang Tanganga can come inside. 
then you're kind of thinking, actually, where does our Welsh defender fit in? Even sort of Ben Davis could also fit in at centre-back. So it's not to say that Roden doesn't have a future at the club, but obviously that's not a Nuno signing. So is he looking at him and thinking, I don't quite know yet. What do I do with him? Yeah, I mean, it would look that way, wouldn't it? Because um, even before the game, uh, my friends and I were asking, like, what's happened to Roden? Because he hasn't really featured. Um, and he was warming up or he was warming down, sorry, after the game. So he wasn't, I don't think he was named in the squad, but he was there. Um, so he was going through all the, you know, the, the pre-rituals after the game and stuff. So it's a, it's a weird one because I do like Roden and I've been impressed every time I've seen him play. So I don't, you know, I was quite surprised that Dyer and Sanchez, again, was the, the, the partnership. I would have definitely put Roden in for either or. But to be fair to both of them, they had fantastic games. And it's going to be tough for them to get some minutes because we are still linked with quite a few centre-backs. And the talk is that we're looking to at least bring one, well, not at least, but we're looking to bring one more centre-back in. So again, he's going to go further down the pecking line. So I agree with um, what Carl was saying. I think it would be good for him to go on loan to a Premier League uh, team, get a lot of minutes in the tank, and then we can assess if he's got a future at Spurs or do we just cash in? Because right now, it doesn't look like he's going to get a lot of minutes, does it? Unless, God forbid, there's an injury to you know one of our key centre-backs. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a nice problem to have, but as Carl says, there's bodies, but you need quality at the same time. I and mean, it's a different kind of situation with Rodon. He's never done anything too bad, but when you look at him, you sort of think, well, is he, what, the fourth, fifth choice centre-back at the moment? And that's without a new body coming in and then you're all thinking well hang on where on earth is he going to play if at all and then you're kind of thinking at his age he needs minutes and his own career trajectory is then going to stagnate so it's a lot of tossing and turning in terms of personnel but James going back to Tanganga one last point here what did you make of Anthony Taylor's decision to call over Hugo Lloris in terms of his fouls you don't usually see that and then also did you like the fact that Lloris stood up for his teammate and said well yeah but what about all these city fouls you know here there and there you're not putting up Anyone from their team? So, what did you make of all of that? Um, I think a bit of a non-story, really. Um, I, I think it—it's something that, that I, I'd like to see more. It's something that that you get in rugby, and I think it, it works well um, because you know it, referees get a lot a lot of chat back from from the players, and it seems to go unpunished. And I think it, it kind of eradicate it slightly if if the referee gave a little bit more power to the captains and a little bit more onus on the captains to, to have a chat with, with their own players. I think it'd mean that the players giving the referees chat back would probably do less so if they if they thought it was falling on deaf ears and, and you know, it, if they had to go through their own captain. Um, I, I'd rather, you know, Hugo didn't get pulled 40 yards from his goal every time the referee blows his whistle, but... I think on this occasion, you know, all it was 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 a, you know, you got a young defender there who's who's probably been a little bit firm in a in a couple of tackles where where he he could have left off a little bit, and and instead of you know having to having to warn him with a yellow card or threaten him with a yellow card or you know or even just risk riling the players up even more, he he just asked asked the captain to have a have a quick chat with him and. And, and as you rightly say, Hugo then gave Hugo a bit of an opportunity to to put his his side of, of the story over there, and uh, and and at the end of the day, it, it kind of worked out. And you know, I, I, I thought Tanganga was was a shoe in for a yellow card in in that first half, and uh, and he managed to, to go the whole ninety without one. Well, not the whole ninety, but he managed to go the, the game without a yellow card. So 
I think he all he needed was that that quiet word, and uh, and and it was it was stomped out of the game. So I'd have no issues with that with that happening if it was someone on the other side. Um, there's there's no need to to start throwing yellow cards around left, right, and centre if if it's not worthy of one. Um, and and if it just if it means having a quick chat with the captain, then then I think nothing nothing of it. Now, Patrick, I think the moment that really summed up Tottenham's performance across the team was right at the very end. The 94th minute, Davison Sanchez going to ground and you're thinking, oh, hang on. But that tackle on Kevin De Bruyne, as measured and composed as you could ever ask for, it was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. It was like literally a throwback to the, you know, to the days when you could go to ground and, and not get a card. Because if you mistimed that by any stretch, it's an instant yellow possibly a red if you know it looks bad or dangerous especially with VAR but it was a beautiful tackle the whole ground went crazy and yeah it literally summed up the performance and just the yeah just how 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 up for the for it they were but how measured they were in there in there you know even the movement of uh, of Eric Dyer and um and and Sanchez in the box you know usually typically you see Eric Dyer get beat with the same ball across him there was none of that yesterday. Everyone was basically, yeah, in their zone, marking properly, tight when they needed to be, uh, stepping back when they needed to be. There was a moment when um, I think someone tried to play a ball over to to Sterling on the on the left hand side, and then you know uh, Tanganga read the flight of the ball all the way and headed it out. And again, the whole stadium went crazy because we could see how up for it they were, and just basically how in shape and disciplined they were. So yeah, amazing, amazing um, performance defensively yesterday. Well, Cole, Patrick mentions the throwback era. I think the last sort of five minutes, it was just some great tackles that you wouldn't really see in this day and age. But they weren't just sort of tackles for tackle's sake and losing the plot. And, you know, even though it was going to ground, each one was just really measured, really disciplined. And just, again, a kind of a microcosm of Tottenham's performance as a whole. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think the only one out of there that you could probably question and maybe think was, you know, one of them that you could look back and go might have been a bit silly was Deli Ali's possible lunge, wasn't it? Um, near the end there, when I think it might have been De Bruyne, and you you could have been looking at a red there possibly, but all the other tackles were full blooded, brilliantly timed. Um, and as Patrick said there, you know, you've got to call out that Sanchez tackle. And, and like I say, you know, we are very quick to kind of pull him out and, and give him a lot of abuse. But he was, you know, he was so solid yesterday and that tackle kind of summed his game up. Um, and yeah, you know, as you say, it did kind of remind you of a throwback here. You know, the tackles flying in left, right and centre. You know, City weren't holding back either. So it was good to see. And it was good to see that the refs were kind of prepared to kind of let some of that go and just let the game flow. One thing we've got to hope is that that continues for the rest of the season because we've seen it before, haven't we, where you get two or three weeks and you think, oh, wow, these refs are going to do this or VAR's going to act like this this season. And then slowly it kind of reverts to type. So great to see that's what gets fans off of seats isn't it you know a crunching tackle or a brilliant tackle where you win nick the ball fans love to see that and at the sort of time of the game as well that was it just kind of helps push you over the line so i, I desperately enjoy it and want to see more of that right let's go to a couple of listeners questions for the final portion of the show james it's from regular contributor holly or pod squad member and she asks about the goal scorer sunny where should we be playing him in terms of the season ahead. A lot of it depends on if Kane is part of the club still, but would you play him out wide as like last season 
or up top like yesterday? I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, Danny. I think it, it depends on on what's happening with Harry. Obviously, if if Harry does does come into into the team, then it will be probably back to to the two of them um, coming and going bet- between the, the 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 top spot. Um, but if if Harry is to leave, um, I, and we don't get an, another out and out striker in, I think he you know he's he's a very good option to to have there. Um, it's certainly a different option. Obviously, we we saw a, a kind of a lack of hold-up ability from Sonny, but it's not something you expect from him. You know, he's not a, a big centre forward. Um, so, you know, I, I do question our our willingness to go long sometimes, just just because you know, question what you're actually aiming at. You've got you've got Sonny coming deep and and two towering centre backs who are more than likely going to going to beat him in the air. So. Um, I think that's that's cause for concern, but you know if if it's, it's, it's certainly an option, um, it def, it's definitely an option. If if Harry does stay though, you know, look, Sonny Sonny probably ends up playing that centre forward role anyway because of how how Harry's been playing, coming dropping deep to, to the halfway line to pick up the ball. Um, so either way, we're going to see Sonny probably playing in the, in in a, a kind of a free role. You know, he'll come wide and, and rotate with with Lucas. Um, or if Harry's in the team, he'll he'll rotate with Harry. So I think either way, Sonny's going to be playing that role, that that, that you know, playing on the last man um, uh, and drifting wide when, when he wants to. And I think this is a guy with, with so much ability that that we should probably give him that freedom. We should give him as much freedom as as we can afford to, um, because he's he's so good that that we need to we need to play to our strengths. Um, but yeah, this, the, we certainly lack something when when he's playing playing up front. Um, especially maybe if we're trying to see a game out, we could do with maybe someone with it with a bit more hold up ability. Um, but at, at the moment, there isn't anyone at the club who can who can play that role. So right. for for me, it's either we we bring in a, a top quality centre forward to to replace Harry, or we we bring in someone of real quality that we can put on the wing uh, if we are going to gonna play Sonny down the middle. It's got to be one of the two. Patrick, do you still think we need a central striker anyway, regardless of whether Kane stays or not? If you think about it, we've lost Vinicius and even Gareth Bale with centre-forward options from their loan moves ending at the end of last season. So Kane and Son, maybe Dane Scarlett, a bit more of a feature this season. It's a bit on the light side, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We still need another body. I think even if Kane stays, we still need another striker. Yeah. Because because if one of those two get injured, we're in big trouble. And don't get me wrong, I love Dane Scarlett and I think he will be a real talent. But he's too young to get thrown in the deep end week in and week out. And we've seen Lucas Moura play up top as well in certain instances. And he's just not big enough and strong enough. Just like James alluded to, even Sonny isn't that great at, at hold-up play. And Lucas is even worse in that in that, uh, in that that position Uh if that's what we're trying to do. So we definitely need another striker of some good quality because we can't always rely on Kane to get the goals. I know it's Kane and Son, but typically as a striker, it's Kane only. Uh, so, yeah, we need a... If we are to really challenge and push, and when I say challenge, is in that like go for a top four spot, try and win a trophy, we need better quality up top because we've been quite light for a couple of seasons and um, it's kind of shown. So, yeah, we still need quality, in my opinion, to come in in that position. Let's stay on the topic of forwards because, Carl, we've got another question from Jonathan Williams. He asks, would you put Harry Kane out to exile until this transfer saga, for use of a better term, is resolved one way or another? 
So really, that would be a case of you either not playing him till the end of the month, and then if you're still at the club, you play him, or you know he might feature on Thursday, and then he might move. So what do you do with all things HK? Yeah, this is a tough one, isn't it? I think, you know, I said before the season started that I think one of the things I'd really like to see was just to get this wrapped up as quick as possible so that you don't have this saga going on um, into the season and disrupting everything. Um, I thought the fact that he wasn't involved this weekend kind of tells us a lot, if I'm honest. You know, for me, I think if there wasn't going to be something happen with City, I think Kane would have been in the squad. Um, so the fact that he wasn't, I kind of just sends another signal to me that there is a deal in the pipeline and it's just a matter of getting it over the line and getting the finances ready. I think Thursday will obviously be another telltale sign of that because let's face it now, if Harry's going to stay and he's going to be involved, then Thursday's a great game because this is going to be a pre-season game, isn't it? So technically what a better time to get him in and get in some match sharpness. So I think Thursday would also tell us a lot to me. If Kane isn't again in that squad, then I'd like I say, I definitely think there's something going on. And at that point to me, I would probably say, yes, I, I would leave him out until you actually get this situation sorted one way or another, because, you know, if, if you're unsure, then you may as well start trying to prepare for life without that player um, instead of just keep holding on and think, well, we'll just play you um, and we're not really finding out if we can cope without you. So for me, yes, I would probably leave him out right now until this gets sorted. But at the same time, if I'm the club and if I could tell the club one thing, is get this done one way or another, say, this week or by the middle of the next week. And that is, you know, you put it all on the line to City and say, here is a signature deadline. If you haven't signed this bloke by then, this is not happening in this window because we all want to move on. We want to get Harry in the squad. We want to get him playing. Um, and, and I think that's how you move on. You know, just going off topic slightly on that, you know, I, I do think as well as a fan base, we need to kind of get ourselves in the right state of mind. You know, after the win, I think more people on Twitter were more concerned about adding Harry Kane in tweets and was you watching, um, you know, he's just seeing some absolutely ludicrous stuff from the fan base trying to kind of slander the bloke's career with us at the moment. You know, listen, none, none of us like the fact that he wants to leave, but that still show a level of respect for what the guy has done for the club. Um, you know, and bear in mind, you know, it is it is his club as much as it is your club. Um, you know, so let's just bear that in mind and kind of keep it a little bit sensible. Um because the one thing we don't want to do, you know, right now, if Harry's staying, there's going to be a lot of accounts that are, are on and tweeting and posting stuff that are going to look very silly um, if he does stay. Because if he does stay, the one thing you can guarantee with Harry is I think if once he realises he's staying, he'll get down and he'll do what he normally does, which is score goals and create goals. Because I think that is the type of professional he is, especially with a World Cup coming up as well. So... That's not actually turned this guy against us more than some people are trying to do right now. It's not nice. No one likes seeing a big player leave your club. But at the moment, no one actually does know what's going on. You know, no one actually knows whether he did miss training, whether it was, you know, planned or what, you know. So let's just try to keep it sensible. Well, James, let's stay on the topic of social media because there's been a wall of silence coming from his account. 
actually, no, I'll tell a lie. He did a good luck message to golfer Justin Rose, but nothing from a Tottenham point of view. So does that speak volumes in itself? Yeah, I, I said at the top of the show that I, I think that that's completely unnecessary. Um, and, and I think he, he's really in danger of, of, of alienating a lot of people, I think especially especially his own teammates, because whether he's he's on the way out or not, whether he's about to, to leave the club or not, there's no reason for him to not acknowledge the the fans, you know, the, the fans being back in, in the ground, the first full house of the, of the season. Um, like I said earlier, he, he hasn't acknowledged his new manager. Um, he hasn't, and he hasn't. He doesn't even wish his his current teammates good luck or 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 wish them well in in what was a really really good performance. And and I think no one would find it weird if he if he said good you know good luck to to the boys for the coming season. Um, great to see the fans back in the stadium. Anything along those lines, and then left for Man City two weeks later. No one would bat an eyelid. It just uh, and by by not saying that, I think he's he's damaging himself even more by 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 keeping so quiet. Um, I think I think Carl's probably right. I think I think the deal's probably. I think he's probably. I think it's probably done. Um, it, it must be over the line, uh, and they're just dotting the i's and crossing the t's for for it to be finished because there's there's no reason why why Harry wouldn't be wouldn't be saying those kind of things and and I've and I've mentioned it a couple of times now I think I think it's probably not his decision I think he's been he's been managed pretty poorly uh, and told to to, to keep keep stubborn and, and and not say anything before the start of the season um but what a what a horrible kind of end it will be if if Kane does does go to Man City now I think he he's already burned a lot of bridges and I think he's already upset a lot of people who who idolised him, um, and I, I'll obviously I'll, I'll look back fondly and, and, and think you know what a great player he was, but a really really sour kind of sour way to, to finish it, you know, to, to join a a club that that really has there's there's no way that any Man City game or home away cup final cup final win league win will will replicate what what we had. At, at the lane yesterday, um, that kind of kind of atmosphere and, and that relationship with with the players and uh, and and that kind of victory, that really hard fought, dug deep and, and gritted our teeth victory, that that isn't something that the Man City fans are, are ever going to experience. Um, the, you know, have, especially if they they bring Kane in, uh, and even even if he does go to City and he does win the league and he wins Champions League and he breaks all the, the goal scoring records in England. He he'll never have that relationship with with the Man City fans that that he has with the Spurs fans, because he you know he he's he's gone there as a, as a mercenary. He's gone there knowing full well that he's gonna he's gonna be handed trophies rather than rather than gritting his teeth and, and winning them at Tottenham. And uh, and as I say that they, they he won't have the same relationship with with them as as he does with Spurs. So I'd like to think. You know, there's there's a glimmer of hope that that he might he might stay with Spurs, and uh, but again, that's that comes with a, a tint of sadness because you know that he really wants to go, and uh, and he he's almost being held against his own will. Um, and I've no doubt that if he does stay, he'll 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 bang the goals in um, because he wants those he wants those goal scoring records and he, and he wants accolades. But I just think they they won't be worth half as much. And the the feeling of winning them won't be half as good 
in a in a Man City shirt. Well, Patrick, obviously, as I said earlier, you were at the game. The chant, are you watching Harry Kane? What did you make of that? Is that a case of, look, if you stayed, this is what you've got, or come on now, look, this is what you could be missing if you do move on? So what did you make of all of that? Yeah, I think it was it was a bit of tongue-in-cheek, said in jest, a bit of banter. I mean, because the Man City fans started it, they were like, oh, he wants to be a blue. Harry Kane, he wants to be a blue, you know, in, in the same kind of pattern as our chant. So then we, obviously, when we when we took the lead and we saw at the game, it, it was nice that we could obviously banter them, but also show Harry Kane that this is what you're potentially uh, losing when you when you leave. And it was also uh, lovely as well because when um, Tanganga walked off to a standing ovation, you could hear how you know how um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but just basically the reception he got and um, when we were singing, he's one of our own. And I'm sure Harry Kane would have saw that and saw how connected we are as a club to our academy graduates. And like you said, he won't get that when he leaves or, or if he leaves. So, yeah, it was a bit of tongue in cheek. I do agree with what Kyle said. And I even, I even put a tweet or two out last week saying that we need to keep it classy as a fan base because I'm seeing a lot of horrible tweets to Harry Kane and even Charlie Kane. And I'm like, you know, regardless of what happens next, Harry Kane's one of the best players I've seen in a Spurs shirt if not the best. And um, it's not nice. I know things haven't uh, gone the way we'd all like over this last, you know, weeks, uh, months or so, but the guy's still, in my opinion, a Spurs legend. And we should also be a bit classy and remember him for the good times as well and not just turn bitter and sour at the end. But yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Harry Kane saw it. Well, I'm sure he did see it and he took note. And um, under Nuno, we're hoping that we can play this way and continue to be, you know, expressive and uh, and play the right way, like like we all say the Tottenham way. If there is such a thing as that phrase, uh, I think yesterday was that 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 Tottenham way. Right. Let's end on some predictions for Sunday because we go to Molyneux, a quick return for Nuno against his former club. Patrick, what are you saying? What have you got for me? I'm going two 0 Tottenham. Oh, love love it, love it. James, what have you got? Yeah, I, I can't see Wolves causing us too much trouble going forward, especially if we defend the way we defended uh, against City. Um, I think uh, we're going to win this one. Uh, I'm going to go for another 1-0 win. Like it. Also, with your location, are you going to be going tomorrow, you? I think uh, tickets are going to be like gold dust. Unfortunately, um, you know it's, it's the first away game for, for quite a while for a lot of people. Um, obviously, if there are any tickets... Flying around, I'll uh, I'll chop my right arm off and, and hand it to you. Um, but <laughs> if if not, then I might just be having to uh, having to head down to the ground and catch a bit of atmosphere and try and maybe uh, do a Wembley and sneak past one of the uh, sneak past one of the stewards. <laughs> we we don't condone that on the show. But Carl, what have you got? <laughs> well, do you know? I think obviously the one thing that's gonna kind of be a factor is that it's Wolves' first game with, you know, a full stadium again. So that place will be rocking just like we were this weekend. So I think there's obviously that little element to take into account. Um, I see us getting a 2-1 win. I think Wolves will cause us some problems and they'll nick one. But I think, you know, if you've got Mora and Son and Ali and that playing and, and feeling a bit of a buzz off of this result, then I like to think we might be able to nick this 2-1. Yeah, I was going to say the same. So I'm going to copy your homework, Carl, because I can't make up a 3-1 win. I can't see that happening. But if it does, (laughs) fantastic. But yes, I think wins across the board. We'll take that very much. Right. 
We need to wrap up now, do the admin very quickly. And that's as simple as thanking my three pod squad members. Patrick, I hope you enjoyed that one and I'm looking forward to the season ahead. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for having me on again. Obviously, I'm buzzing after yesterday's result. Being in the ground is fantastic. And then being able to come here with positive vibes and, you know, and, and talk to you guys and chop it up. It was great. So, yeah, thanks. No problem, mate. You'll be back in a fortnight. James, a great run out tonight. And you're back to full podcast fitness. Yeah, fantastic. Always good to, to be able to consolidate a win with you fellas. So, uh, excellent stuff again. Lovely stuff. And Cole, thank you for running the channels this evening and wearing that captain's armband. No, pleasure with you guys as always. And it's always a pleasure after a victory like that. So looking forward to next week. Absolutely. Right. With that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.